Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to the Lifestyle Lifters Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I did a Q&A and on today's Q&A we covered four specific topics. So the first one was how to stay lean year round without being obsessive about food. In other words, how to actually look the part without having to go onto my fitness pad every single day and log and obsess about every single calorie and gram that you consume. Second question was, what should you do in fat loss stalls? So I'm on this fat loss journey, but you know what? I feel like I'm in a plateau. What should you do when you reach that plateau? I discussed that in a bit more detail. Let me go on to how to build some impressive and aesthetic abs there. All right, abs are made in the kitchen first and foremost. I did say that in the episode, but with that being said, with summer around the corner, and if you want to look good and you want to train your core properly, I explained the three ways you need to you need to incorporate into three things you need to incorporate into your core training. And finally, then we we discuss with gyms being busy, what should you do in the gym when there's no squat rack available? All right, squats are on the program, deadlifts are on the program, bench press on the program, but there is someone in the squat rack doing bicep curls, which is a freaking cardinal sin. What should I do? Is there any alternatives I can implement just to make sure that I can get a workout in? So that is all. That's all um, to come on this week's show. And if you do get value from the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. It helps massively with the reach. I do not run ads towards this show. All the time, all the energy I invest, it's just to give value. And if you want to give Anthony in return, just please leave a five-star review and... That is how you can pay me back. That is how you can pay me back. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to the Lifestyle Lifters show. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. As of recording this, I have severe DOMS. Delayed onset muscle soreness hit a really hard and, and challenging workout on Friday. So I'm currently rehabbing an injury and oh, it's been frustrating. I haven't been able to to run properly since it was actually Black Friday. I remember I was doing a workout in the morning. I was heading up to Kildare Village that day. I always go up every year for the Black Friday sales. And I just pushed myself a small bit too hard doing rear foot elevated split squats. I didn't warm up fully for them, even though it was towards the end of my session. I did have blood flow. I remember I just went straight into my top set. So speaking of dumb mistakes to avoid something I spoke about in last week's episode, always warm up, particularly for, for bigger movements before you actually get into your main working set. So I was doing them. And to be fair, I built up a nice bit of strength over the previous few weeks. I had a 10 kilo vest on and two 30 kilo dumbbells in my hand. And I was doing them for reps of five five each side i think and you know doing rear foot elevated split squats look they're probably the most hated exercise out there but my whole kind of hypothesis and reason was look i just want to get them done as quick as possible so i don't even want to do a warm-up set let me just you know let me just feel the pain and get over the pain and move on to the next working set but just as I was lowering myself, I have had this like recurring injury. It's um adductor ten tendinopathy is what it's called. It's basically at the real, real top of my hamstring or the bottom of my hip there, where your ham it's, it's almost like that insertion point. And as I was lowering down, so I was balancing my right leg 
and lowering down my left leg. Just felt a bit of a strain there. And you know the difference between good pain and bad pain. I mean, bad pain is, it, it was, good, good pain is obviously the pain you get after a workout. You know, it, it's a good feeling. It's tough during it, but you know you're benefiting yourself. Bad pain is when, you know, it's it's injury. It's like, it's it's a sharp, acute pain that just comes on you. And this was, this was bad pain. It was acute pain. And me being me, sometimes we all get into this mindset of just, that effort I'm just going to keep going I'm going to push myself I'll be all right I'll be grand and I'm not someone that if I see something written down on a pen and paper and on my program I like to see it out and I know it's something I definitely need to get better at so I had three sets in that day and I just I'd be stubborn enough sometimes to push through but that day you know it caught up to me and I still finished my three sets in the, on the split squats the first set was a rough one the second and third, I had a bit more blood flow. It felt all right. And I was still able to do some treadmill running after that session. But then the next day, I just, I got a bit of pain there. It's like, oh, God, okay. I probably pushed myself a bit too hard yesterday. Hopefully I'll be all right tomorrow. Because I usually would, that was a Friday leg session. I'd usually do run then on a bit on a Sunday. Just some steady say cardio. Wasn't able to do that. You know, pushed it out then to the following week. And then all of a sudden it's like, squats which were feeling good or deaditors which were feeling good now all of a sudden that pain is coming back and now I can't squat properly I have to deadlift from you know a three inch elevated blocks um, I'm really severely limited I can't do any lunge movements and it has set me back quite a bit that injury that's almost three months ago at this stage so I'm not sure how I'm getting into this in the first place. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I do have doms on my legs, but I am I'm currently rehabbing it and getting back to where I was. Thankfully, on Friday, I was able to run back on the treadmill up to 18 and a half kilometers an hour pain free, which I was pretty happy with. I was able to maintain that for a minute. So hopefully getting back into the swing of things. But I will learn from my mistake and learn from well. I'll have to get better at learning from my mistake. That is warm up properly. Make sure you give yourself enough time before you go into your top set. And it will obviously have a good carryover. Now, anyways, all of that aside, today I have a Q&A. And these are five questions which I got. But I'm going to go into them one by one. These are from a combination of some of my clients and ones that I'd seen previously on Instagram before that I'd been asked. So I feel podcast is a good opportunity just to expand on them in a bit more detail. The first question is how to stay lean year round without being obsessive about food. So this was a question that one of my clients asked me, and I can definitely relate to this as well, because there's been times in the past where I've almost been a slave to my own nutrition. Like I remember once we were in, even on my, on my J1, I would have kept things pretty tight particularly with food, because I would have been drinking way more back then, like three or four times a week, uh, <laughs> how times have changed. But I would have always kept my nutrition relatively tight, even on the J1 when we went to uh, California for 12 weeks. And I remember once we were in San Diego and there's this place called In-N-Out Burger. OK, it's like one of those really famous restaurants that everyone's like, oh, if you go there, you got to try them out. They've got amazing food. They got amazing burger. You got to try it out. And all the lads got the burger. And what did Adrian walk out with? He got his burger. But instead of having a burger bun, it was wrapped with lettuce. 
<laughs> I wanted to keep those carbs down. So that was a point where, you know what, reflecting back, you you got to enjoy the occasion too without being too obsessive. Sometimes as well, I would have gone to Bujum with the lads. And, you know, the first thing you ask for in Bujum in a Mexican is you choose your base. Do you want... Um, do you want the lime rice or do you want the the fried rice? I think it is. And I'd always ask, could I get a base of lettuce, please? I don't want any rice at all. Okay, that was in the days when I was just almost scared to eat carbohydrates, which looking back was almost crazy. Like I was working out, you know, five, six times a week, hitting it hard. Carbohydrates being a good fuel source there for me. But I just had this misconception that they made me fat. So I didn't eat them. All right. So you don't want to get too obsessed with your food where you almost become a slave to it. So if you're in that similar situation and you don't want to lose your gains, but you want to stay relatively lean year round, three, two, one. So three meals a day, three to four meals a day with protein. At least two of those meals contain veggies and then one glass of water before every meal. All right. So three meals a day with protein. Two of those meals contain veggies and one glass of water before every meal. So, for instance, one of our clients, Ross, he spent a full month in Thailand. And as you can imagine, going from Ireland to Thailand and just being able to read food labels and understand what each food gave you and, and what quantity, what portion amount. Just it was too much for him. We didn't really ask him to track his calories at all but just more so understand those principles. And after spending a full month, fair play to Ross, he didn't gain any weight at all. Okay, he was walking a lot. He was just trying to stick to the three square meals, making sure that every meal had at least protein in it and just doing his best with the veggies and with the fruit. Okay, so three to one, it's a really good method. And then if you're having any snacks or anything in between meals, try get those from a source of protein, like Greek yogurt or a piece of fruit. Okay, but I think there are just some fundamentals there. So three meals a day with protein, two of those meals contain veggies and one glass of water before every meal. It's a nice way to just stay in track without being obsessive. Now, if you do want to go into more detail, follow the 80-20 principle with your food. And this is a big pet peeve of mine. A lot of people do not understand properly the 80-20 principle. People think that it's 80% of your foods. It's not. It's 80% of your calories that you want from nutrient in sources. For example, Imagine you had 10 full foods in a day and eight of those foods were the likes of your chicken breasts, your broccoli, your rice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And two of those foods, one of them was a large, a large fries from McDonald's, McDonald's and the other was a double cheeseburger. OK, so technically two out of those 10 foods. Were what we call the in the 20 percent and 80 percent for more nutrient dense. Is that or is that not following the 80-20 principle? It is absolutely not. Because even though it's 20% of your foods, it's much more than 20% of your calories. Okay? So if you want to follow the 80-20 principle, 80% of your calories coming from whole foods. So for example, you're on a 2,000 calorie diet. You want about 1,600 calories to come from your leaner protein, your, your complex carbs, your greens, etc., your fruits, your veggies. And then the other 400 calories, that can come from the more, quote unquote, processed foods. The likes of your chocolate, um, if you want to have some biscuits, a treat here and there, and so on. But I do know that a large fries and a double cheeseburger from McDonald's sure as hell has more than 400 calories. So just be careful of that.
All right. And just some other things as well to be mindful of if you want to stay lean year round, limit alcohol intake. And, you know, I'm going off alcohol this year and feeling really good so far. And honestly, it's played a big part in my life in terms of like looking back and some of the great memories that I've had. A lot of the time alcohol was involved, but as well, then it just robs. I, I just found the anxiety the next day, the hangover, the waking up, feeling like feeling not not feeling great at all. Uh, the dehydration, the sleep, the way it impacts your training. It's like you're trading three hours of happiness for three days of misery. I'm just like, is that really worth the trade off? And this year I'm going off it so far, so good. And just not really missing a lot, to be honest. So limit your alcohol intake. And finally, then just control your food environment as well. You know, rule number one of nutrition, if a food is in your house, sooner or later, it will be eaten. Okay, so a great way if you, I know myself, if you have a weakness, let's just say chocolate granola, chocolate coated granola. Oh my God, how good does that taste? And the milk afterwards, the chocolate milk, amazing. If that is in the house, I would probably eat it. I know myself. Okay, so if you don't want to slip, don't go to slippery places. Do not buy it in the first place. And if you're really craving the quote unquote, the junk food, make yourself walk or drive to the shop to get it. So control your food environment. That is a big thing. Or at least just put them at the back of the press and make like your your proteins, your veggies, your fruits more accessible in your environment. Leave them on the table, leave them in the fridge where you can see them because they're the foods you'd be more likely to consume more of as opposed to the you know, the, the the sweets, the biscuits, which, you know, once you once you dip the hand in there, it can become a dangerous thing if, if you if you don't have controls, control over your cravings. So control your food environment as well. All right. Now, I'm not talking staying lean year round. Uh, this is just in relation to food. I'm not going to be talking about training, cardio, sleep. All of those things are important, but this is just pertaining to food. So three to one method snacks between meals, either protein or a piece of fruit, 80, 20 principle limit your alcohol and control your food environment. Question number two, what should you do in fat loss stalls? So this is a great question. And one of her members actually did encounter this about four weeks in. Um, her name is Siobhan and she'd been averaging, I think a loss of usually about 0.6, I think 0.6 kilos a week. So she'd lost maybe two, two and a half kilos in her first month, in her first four weeks. But there was one week where it just plateaued and when it stalled. And this is the important thing to remember. As your body loses weight, in general, your maintenance calories will also need to be adjusted. So let's just say, um, I'll just use myself as my own best example. When I was doing my cut for my photo shoot, my maintenance calories probably would have started at 3,300. In other words, 3,300 calories a day to maintain my weight. All right. Now, by the end of that cut, because as my weight decreases, so too does your basic metabolic rate. Basically, the amount of calories your body requires and burns while resting that also decreases, okay? So I would have estimated that when I lost the weight, my maintenance calories dropped from 33 to 2,900, which meant it was a 400 drop, all right? Now, imagine that I wanted to get back to my maintenance calories and I just decided that I'm in my cut and I'm just going to go straight back up to 3,300. At that time, that would have actually been a calorie surplus for me and I would have gained weight. So a big change, a big mistake a lot of people do is as they lose weight, they don't adjust their calories accordingly. That is important because in general, a lighter body will burn 
less calories than a heavier body. All right. So if your fat has a stall, first of all, how long has it stalled for? Has it just been, you know, a week? Has it been two weeks? Has it been a month? That that matters. What I would say is if, if it's two weeks consecutively, you need to change something. So in the case of Siobhan there, she was a perfect example of we just had to lower the calories by about 100. And then the following week, she had a great, a big, big drop in the scale. I think she dropped nearly as much as a kilo because of that. All right. So if you have like two consecutive weeks where nothing is changing, you need to adjust something. So with your calories, that can be lower than by maybe 100. With your training, it could be increasing um, going from lifting three days to four days or four days to five days. All I will say, though, is this is also important. You can't always add, add, add and subtract simultaneously. Like if you're in a calorie deficit and you're adding more training, yet reducing your calories, your training is going to take a hit. So I prefer my preferred way of adding or increasing activity is just simply through walking. Look at your current step count. Try to increase that by at least 10 percent. You're doing 10K a day. Let's up that to 11. You're doing 8,000, let's go to 8,800 or even 9,000. By increasing your steps and increasing your walk and activity, it's just not nearly as taxing on your body as doing like an extra strength session. Now, if you're at three strength session, you could probably push that to four anyways. But, you know, walking is much less taxing than doing like a hard run as well, which can even just deplete you even more and cause you to want to consume more calories. So there are just some ways. First of all, reflect how long has it been Secondly, change something, whether it's your calories, your your activity, or a combination of both. And just finally as well, how long have you been dieting? Like if you've been dieting for a long time and you've been in a severe calorie deficit, your body would adjust to that as being the norm. And this can actually slow down your metabolic rate. That could be a case for you where you need to take a diet break and try to bump up your calories for a bit, which might sound like I'm speaking on the opposites here. But it has worked in the past. I had one client, so lean, really lean guy. And he was just in a calorie deficit at 1,500 calories a day for like three months. So I had to have this hard conversation with him. He wanted to get really fit and really lean for, I think it was a wedding he was, or it was a wedding he was going to. And my whole approach with that was, I'm actually not going to drop you anymore. I mean, if you want to get as lean as possible, does that mean we got to eat? Okay, you're at 15. Do we got to go to 14, 13, 1200 calories? Is that really going to be beneficial? So we had to go the opposite. We actually had to increase his calories. We increased his calories up to, I think it finished at 2500 over the course of about eight weeks. And ironically, happened to me as well. What happened as we increased his calories? He actually lost weight. All right. Because we just re rebuilt his metabolism because it was just in, you know, such a kind of a low state there for a while from being in a severe calorie deficit for too long. So your body can adapt. So potentially you might need to do a diet break. And then the great thing was there, we now we built up his metabolism again that to 2500 that when he wanted to do a cut, it's much easier doing a cut where your maintenance is around about 2,500 and we drop you down to, would say, 2,000 or even 1,800, I think, for the last couple of weeks there. He wanted to go quite low. But that's much easier to maintain and stick to rather than, okay, I'm at 15. Do I really got to go to 1,200? You know, that can just lead you down the slippery slope. So there are just a few things to keep in mind. Um, 
in or what to do when your fat loss stalls. Now, next question is how to build impressive abs. So I used to be of the opinion that doing a plank for three minutes before my dinner was worthy of a protein shake. <laughs> or that just holding a plank for as long as possible is what gave me abs. We've all probably done that before where you hold a plank, you lift up your you lift up your t-shirt and you check your mirror only to see the disappointment on your face that you do not have visible abs. We've all done it before, don't like. That was my opinion. But look, honestly, when it comes to getting abs, abs are made in the kitchen. And it's it's an old adage, and it is definitely true because you can do all the core training in the world. But if your body fat percentage is too high, you're just not going to be able to see them. Everyone has abs. It's just a case of shredding off the body fat and shredding that down to see them. Okay. With that being said, though, if you actually want to build aesthetic abs in the gym and when you want to train your abs, you've got to address the front, which is the anterior. You've got to address the side. Okay. That's like your obliques. And you also need to train them through rotation. So I'll go through all three of those now. If you want to train the front of your abs, that's going to be like plank variations. So just your standard plank, if you want to increase the intensity, you could do a plank and an, raise an arm or lift a leg. All right. It just adds more instability. One of my favorite ways to add load to a plank is to do a plank cable row. How you set up for this, or you can also do with a band is you tie a band around a rack or you just get the cable in the in the gym. You put the machine down to like the height of, we'll say, three in the floor. So the cable machine is down real low at the floor. You adjust the height there. You attach the rope attachment to it. So you know the one where you do the tricep pushdowns? Use that rope attachment. And then what you're going to do is you are going to pull the rope, add some weight, obviously, to the cable. And you're going to be in the plank position. So imagine you're in a standard plank position and you're balancing your pl the plank on your left arm and the right arm is holding the cable row. What you want to do is you want to do a plank cable row. In other words, you row the, you row the cable, or you, 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 get the, you get the rope, and you put it towards your body while holding a plank position. Oh my God, the burn off that is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And it's a great way to add load to your core training. Okay, so just to recap, what you're doing is you're in the plank position, you use the rope attachment to the cable or you can just use a band and you pull the band towards your body as close as possible or the rope to your body as close as possible. The burn, the intensity you get off your core there is second to none. And obviously you train your right arm, then you swap arms and you train your left. And you can do that also in a side plank position, which would address your sides there. Great, great way. One of my favorite ways to build the core. Um, other ones as well, which I like to do just with the rope attachment. This one with a dead bug. So cable weighted dead bugs. Basically, what you do is you're lying on your back this time. Traditional dead bug is you lower your right leg. You lower your right leg and you you um, extend your left arm behind you. All right. So you're imagine you're you're um, lying on your back. Your right um, your two legs are up. First of all, hip height. You, you bring your knees towards your chest. You're going to lower your right leg and right ankle towards the floor and simultaneously bring your left arm back behind your body. But if you want to add load to that, you just simply lie in the dead bug position, lie on your back, use the same cable rope attachment that I mentioned there, or just use a band, and you pull the rope 
over your body until your arms are directly straight. Okay, so keep your arms nice and straight using the cable rope attachment. And then you do a dead bulk where you extend your legs. And now all of a sudden you're adding much more load there. All right, there's some great ways to address the front. Look up some of those variations on YouTube if you if you have a hard time picture them. But um, cable plank rows and weighted dead bugs are really like. Ab wheel as well, or even just for the front, a standard core finisher. You know, where sometimes I'll do 10 exercises, 30 seconds each, one for the other, five minutes, and your abs are on fire afterwards. If you want to address the side then, so I already spoke about side plank variations. I really love a Copenhagen side plank too, where you hold a side plank position and you elevate one leg onto a bench. So imagine you're in a side plank, you're resting on your left elbow, go um, raise your right leg onto a bench, okay? And then you're all, you're all of a sudden you're doing an elevated Copenhagen plank there. So you're doing a side plank, with your right leg elevated. That's a great way also to work in your groin strength um, to build your adductors up, okay? One of my also, one of my other favorite ways of addressing the sides is single arm farmer's carries, okay? So with the single arm farmer's carry, imagine you're holding a 30 kilo dumbbell in your right arm. The key is you don't want to lean over to your right hand side. Your body will do everything it can to do that, but you want to stay nice and upright and stay nice and straight and try to keep just keep that good posture as you walk and hold the heavy weight. Another great way to train the side of your core. And then finally, if you want to add some rotation, one of the favorite ways that I used to do with, with my in-person clients when we used to train in the gym was we used to finish with an ab finisher. And this was what we call the pad-off press alphabet. And essentially what you try and do is you make the letter of an alphabet with with uh we'll say you, you so you can attach a band attach a band to the rack so we'll say like just a, a standard a standard band attach that to the rack or it can also be done with a cable attachment as well and you stand then out far enough so that you've got enough resistance from the band keeping your arms as straight as possible try to do the every single letter of the alphabet that pad off press alphabet will absolutely annihilate your core and the thing is you have to do it on both sides so if you hold the band and you step to your left, you then have to hold the band and step to your right. So you do it both ways. It is a great way to train the core through rotation as well. All right. So just when you're training your abs, understand the principles, train them from the front, from the sides and add rotation. All right. And last question is what to do in the gym when there is no squat rack available? So we've all probably been there with great intentions of, you know, doing a deadlift or doing squats or doing the bench press or a barbell overhead press. This is one of our clients, actually. This came up on our call this week. James is wondering, well, not wondering, but he was just like, I asked him what his biggest challenge was. He goes, just sometimes the gym is busy and there's not all these squat racks available. So what I, what I recommend is one of two things. One, could you change the order of your workout? Let's just say, for example, you had squats as your as your main lift, and then you had rear foot elevated split squats and RDLs as your second main lift. Well, could you potentially do your dumbbell rear foot elevated split squats and dumbbell RDLs first, and then see the squat rack available? Okay, that could be a way around it. If there is no squat rack available, just think of the movement and the muscles that you're working. So for example, squat rack isn't available, could you potentially do a hack squat or a leg press? 
You're still training the same or similar movement. It's just not the same exercise. Or could you do a goblet squat? Okay. And if you find it hard to add relative load to the goblet squat, sometimes the actual the weight of the dumbbell can be your limiting factor there. You could add tempo. Okay. I know I want to do set to five in the back squat, but what am I going to do instead? I might do goblet squat sets of eight with a three second lowering, two second pause, and one second explode on the way up. Okay. That's a nice way to go about changing that. So just think what muscle am I working? And how can I train that movement using other alternatives rather than a barbell? Take the deadlift. So you could potentially do a dumbbell deadlift. Could you do a hex bar deadlift? Okay. It's that hinge movement. Could you do a single leg deadlift where you hold the dumbbell in your right arm and you balance in your right leg? Or maybe you do a contralateral single leg deadlift where you're holding a weight in your left arm and you're doing a single leg deadlift on your right leg. Okay. A good way to train your balance there. Potentially, you could do a banded kettlebell swing, which is more of a hinge movement. All right. What about for the bench press? Well, could you do a dumbbell bench press, an incline bench press, a flat bench press? Could you do a dumbbell floor press? What about a cable crossover? What about a pec deck machine? Okay. A lot of different ways to train the same muscle and the same movement there. For an overhead press, well, could you change that to a dumbbell? Could you do a seated machine press? Okay. What about an Arnold press? A lot of other alternatives there. Just think, what muscle am I working? And try to train that muscle and movement as closely as possible. And, and just don't beat yourself up. I know we've all great intentions sometimes of getting an awesome workout in the gym and with availability. You just got to be adaptable. And, you know, I would have done sometimes in the past. You might wait five minutes. But sometimes you just got to say, if then, if the squat rack isn't available, then I will do X, Y, and Z. All right. And that is all for this week's episode. So hopefully you got value from this, uh, from these four questions. If anyone does have any questions they'd like to cut, they'd like me to address in more detail, just shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm at Mac Lifestyle Fitness, MC Lifestyle, L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E, Fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, at Mac Lifestyle Fitness on Instagram. Shoot me a message there and I will be happy to talk about any any um, topic in a bit more detail if you would like me to do so. Also, if you have any uh, ideas for guests or anything like that, just please send them on and I'm more than happy to reach out and see if anyone will be a good fit for the show. And finally, if you have got value from the show, just one thing I'll ask you to do while you're listening is please leave a five-star review. It helps massively with the ratings and it just helps spread the, the good word and you know, what I'm really trying to preach here about training, about nutrition, about sustainability, and just making a lifestyle to more people. So please, I would appreciate if you did share the show, if you got value from it. And until next week, I hope everyone has an amazing week. Check the check the links in the show notes as well. If you would like access to my seven day fat loss accelerator, a free three day, three day week training program, which is a hybrid training program, which is a combination of strength work, speed work, and cardio all in the one training program there. I'll post a link to that in the show notes if you'd like access to it. And as always, if you got value from it, please share the show with a friend. Chat to you guys next week.